So, before we begin, I would like to take a moment to thank those among us who have served in the United States military in some capacity. Would all those veterans and former military stand or raise your hands to be recognized? Do you have any among us? I know I can speak for all of us here in saying thank you. We're proud of you and are grateful for your service. Now, if you've ever been married to, parent, sibling, or child of a military person, please stand or raise your hands to be recognized. Thank you. Your dedication and service is second, really only to your loved one. We know that the effects of conflict have long and wide reverberations, and that the true battles are often fought months or years after the individual service has ended. Now this is, of course, Memorial Day weekend, a time of many different rituals and tra uh, traditions, a holiday dedicated to remembering our, our men and women who have lost their lives in the service of this country. It is also, of course, the beginning of the summer season filled with hope and hopefully rebirth. Now is the time of the end of the school year, graduations, huge numbers of students moving in and out of campus centers, a scramble for summer jobs, internships, and the like. And unless we have a veteran or military member of our immediate family, it is often easy to forget the real reason we get tomorrow off from work and this extended weekend to enjoy. But where better than in a church to take a moment to ponder this paradox of the season it is said that the unique human experience of living despite knowing that we ourselves will die is what brings us to faith in the first place. Unitarians and Universalists alike have long held that the Calvinist constructs of heaven and hell and a complicated system of cosmic retribution in the afterlife were both insufficient and unfair. For several centuries now, Unitarians and Universalists have considered the reality of heaven and hell here on earth as the product of human works. As a result, members of our common faith began to see immortality as the result of our influence in our lifetime and beyond, in contrast to Immortality is a literal extension of personal existence, personal consciousness. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often teared with their bones, says Shakespeare's Mark Antony about Julius Caesar. But we actually know the opposite to be true. We are much more likely to celebrate a person's contributions for good than we are her failings, especially in death. I heard a UU minister do a eulogy once for which had 
been a particularly difficult person in a difficult life. She was a mother of a congregant. The minister acknowledged the deceased woman's struggles with anger and mental illness, but claimed the responsibility to speak rather the truth in love. The truth may have been her struggles, her violent temper, failed marriage. The truth in love were her resolve, her passionate support of the things she believed in, and the bravery of a woman, her generation, to leave a relationship that was abusive. Now, as comforting as this line of exposition might have been for the family of the deceased in that instance, we do a disservice to ourselves and our country when we do the same thing for our fallen military. We lift up the truth and love of their sacrifice and resolve, but do little to acknowledge the deeper failing of our American society, which seems more invested in the pomp and circumstance of a military funeral than supporting living veterans in need all throughout our land. We lag behind most Western nations in the healthcare of our citizens, but especially of our veterans. Recent scandals of the VA have exposed the decades-long problems of inefficiency in the services of Veterans Affairs, the lack of consistent access to me mental health care, and the unacceptable number of our former military men and women who commit suicide every year. This is not to mention the horrific fact that over a third of our nation's homeless at any given time are U.S. military veterans the vast majority of whom have untreated or undertreated mental illness issues. And some will point to the recent uptick in veterans' benefit spending at the federal level, up to just over $78 billion in 2018. $78 billion seems like quite a lot of money, but does anyone know how much we spend on the military itself? Anyone guess? What was that? Almost two-thirds of a trillion dollars. $574 billion in this budget, and the 2018 budget, which equals 60% of all discretionary spending by our government this year. And that doesn't count an additional $44 billion we spend on homeland security. Over half of all of our money goes to active military for weapons development, active personnel, salaries and benefits, deployment, and the wind down of the wars we've been recently fighting, over half of our money. And only about 8% of our money goes to the millions of former military personnel who are often in more need of services and care after their active duty status than during. Now, we also know that for years, one of the largest populations of American homeless has been veterans, most commonly of the Vietnam era. And some estimates place the percentage of American homeless who served in our military, again, as high as one-third. This means that at any given time, tens upon tens of thousands, maybe even up to 100,000 people, will sleep on sidewalks, scrounge for food as if in a third world country, and live in an existence 
often worse than theirs was during combat. Now, unfortunately, but not unexpectedly, we know that there has also been a drastic increase in the number of Iraq and Afghanistan vets who call the street their home. How can we possibly celebrate Memorial Day for our fallen veterans if we care not for those who are still with us? Sadly, but again, not surprisingly, we have a long and consistent history of lauding our active and fallen military, but disregarding those veterans most in need, particularly when it comes to military of color. Soldiers of color, especially African Americans, have been an important part of every war and armed conflict this country has ever engaged in. About 10,000 American blacks, both free and slave, fought in the American Revolution, often in place of their slave masters with the hopes of gaining their freedom from their military service. One such example was the slave-turned-American double agent named James Armistead, who had gained the trust of the British and provide invaluable intelligence to the war effort. But because he was technically a spy and not a soldier, once victory was achieved, he was sent back to his slave master. It would be years and require a personal commendation from French General Lafayette, attesting to his heroism for Armistead to gain his freedom, later taking the last name Lafayette. During the War of 1812, a full quarter of those in the Battle of Lake Erie and more than a quarter of those lost in that very battle were black. An entire militia unit helped Andrew Jackson win the Battle of New Orleans two years later. And despite the concerns of white officers, black soldiers and sailors fought valiantly and were credited with some of the most important offenses of the war. Likewise, the Mexican-American War saw increased participation of both free blacks and slaves serving in their master's stead, including that same militia unit which was so valuable to Jackson's defense of New Orleans. Nearly a quarter of a million African-Americans served in the Civil War. I'm going to say that again. Nearly a quarter of a million African-Americans served in the Civil War, including Massachusetts' 40, 54th Regiment, made famous in the Glory movie. And black soldiers consistently demonstrated valor and heroism despite the horrific conditions of the war. And of course, they were paid on average 20% less than their white counterparts. Over 350,000 American blacks served in our armed forces during World War I. And despite increased recognition and appreciation from leadership, our military remained segregated for another 30 years. World War II would see the rise of a number of all-black units and the first group of black commissioned officers. Famed efforts from groups like the Tuskegee Airmen and the 761st Tank Battalion proved their valor and value in combat and collectively were the leading cause of considerations to desegregate the military entirely. But it wouldn't be until 
after World War II was over that the military would desegregate upon executive order from President Truman. Over protests and eventual resignation from Truman's own Secretary of State, I'm sorry, Secretary of Defense, which may have still been Secretary of War at the time. And even after desegregation of the military, veterans' benefits were hardly equal. The famed redlining cases of the 1950s systematically discriminated against lower-income black neighborhoods, preventing veterans of color from receiving VA housing loans, perpetuating a culture of white flight, the decay of the inner city, and the birth of the really white suburbs. Now, as Unitarian Universalists, we know we need not wait for death to begin the work of heaven or to experience hell. Hell is a battlefield under heavy enemy fire, or hell is the cold, broken slabs of sidewalk where far too many of our veterans sleep. Heaven is an honorary discharge after a successful and safe tour of duty. Heaven is ongoing support for all of our service members throughout all their lives. And heaven is a world where we might spend less time and money on developing weapons and more on the human beings here and around the globe who will resist war if and when they are cared for. When Unitarian Universalists or anyone close to us transitions unto that great congregation universal, we hope only that when all is said and done, we have left more good than we have done harm. That our love might be as the pebble in the pond sending ripples throughout time, despite the end of our own. So this Memorial Day might be pause in reverent appreciation for all those veterans who made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf, but also never forget the contributions sacrifices and needs of all those who remain with us. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. Blessed be. And amen.